joining me on another episode of the Jambase podcast. I'm Andy Kahn and Jambase is a partner of Osiris Media, the podcast network for music. In this episode, we'll hear my interview with Taylor Goldsmith of Dawes. We spoke recently about the newly released Dawes album, Misadventures of Doomscroller, which came out shortly after we spoke. Dawes are currently on tour in support of Misadventures of Doomscroller. Right now, they're on the road with the head and the heart, and in September, they'll be joining up with Bahamas for a run of shows together. Visit Jambase and search Dawes to pull up a complete list of tour dates along with links to purchase tickets to go see some live music. I saw some live music myself last night. I'm in Minneapolis and Fleet Foxes came to town in support of their excellent 2021 album, Shore. Robin Pecknold and his bandmates are putting on one hell of a show on this tour, and last night was no exception. Despite it being pretty hot outside, there was a steady cooling breeze that made it a really pleasant evening, getting to listen to beautiful music on what turned out to be an equally beautiful summer night. Definitely check out Fleet Foxes on this tour if you get the chance. I highly recommend it. My Jambase upcoming shows calendar is looking pretty good right now. I'll be seeing Billy Strings this weekend, and I'm heading out to Alpine Valley to see Fish the following weekend. With all the recent fall tour announcements, it's looking like it'll be a busy September and October filled with live music for me as well. Jambase is hosting a pair of events at Soundcheck Studios in Pembroke, Massachusetts, one in September and one in October. Jambase and Boston's own neighbor will present Into the Sun on September 9th through September 11th. The three-night event will also see performances by Jennifer Hartswick, The Nth Power, Club Delph, Natalie Cressman and Ian Facchini, and Duochrome. In October, Jambase will present As Summer and Autumn Slips, another three-day music event at Soundcheck Studios. Scheduled for October 7th through October 9th, The Slip will play two nights, as well as be joined by Nathan Moore and Marco Benevento for a Surprise Me Mr. Davis performance. The As Summer and Autumn Slips lineup also features the Marco Benevento Trio, Club Delph, William Tyler, and Wolf featuring Scott Metzger. Capacity for both Into the Sun and As Summer and Autumn Slips is limited. Go to Jambase for ticket information and other details. All right, now let's get to my interview with Dawes frontman Taylor Goldsmith. We spoke over a video call about the band's terrific new album, Misadventures of Doomscroller. I first heard about Misadventures of Doomscroller, but I didn't really know it then, from producer Jonathan Wilson when I interviewed him for the podcast back in September 2020. Jonathan told me then that Dawes would be taking a more jammy approach, and what they ended up with is a seven-song album featuring a pair of nine-minute-long tracks and another one that's over eight minutes long. The album is quite a sonic departure for the band, who took a self-professed maximalist approach to the new record. Taylor talked to me about working with Jonathan to achieve that goal and explained how important the producer has been to the band. Dawes recorded Misadventures of Doomscroller at Wilson's Laurel Canyon Recording Studio. Taylor told me about Jonathan's role in the band's early development. He produced their first two albums and 2018's Passwords. And how he's forever grateful for the support Wilson has given the band over the years. Taylor and I also talked about some of the other projects he's been involved in recently, like getting recruited to perform with Grateful Dead bassist Phil Lesh as a member of Phil and Friends. Taylor also discussed the work he's done recently with his wife, actress and musician Mandy Moore. The couple recently wrapped an emotional tour in support of Mandy's new album. They were actually supposed to be on tour when I talked to Taylor, but Mandy decided to scale back her schedule since she's pregnant with their second child. Taylor told me about his experience getting to watch his wife perform and seeing the awesome response she received from her fans at her shows. I really enjoyed talking to Taylor. One part in particular that was interesting to me was when we started a discussion about music labels, and specifically the jam band label, and the somewhat negative stigma associated with it. It was cool to hear his take from a musician's perspective about the subject of jam bands and genres in general. If you haven't yet, be sure to check out Dawes' new album, Misadventures of Doomscroller. It's their eighth album, and it's unlike anything before it. Let's listen to a bit of the track Ghost in the Machine. 
to lead into my interview with Taylor Goldsmith of DOS. of Dawes, and we are going to talk about their upcoming new album, Misadventures of Doom Scroller, which comes out on July 22nd on Rounder Records. It's a really exciting new album, man. It's quite a departure for you guys, don't you, don't you think? Um, yeah, in some in some some senses, I think so. At least on terms of like in terms of uh, what we do in the studio. Like I think right. um anyone coming to shows have probably gotten some serious glimpses into like what we're now putting on the albums. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I hear you for sure. So was that part of the inspiration for doing this? Like taking what you do on the live stage and bringing it to the studio more? Um, I think that that was, yeah. I mean, I guess it was, it, it, I think it, it was this natural um, evolution of, of playing these live shows and feeling like, God, this is fun. It's fun to play feed the fire for 10 minutes or it's fun to play whatever, whatever it is. Um, and then like that carrying over into like, like, how do we make, how do we stay thrilled? How do we stay totally excited? And not, not, that doesn't necessarily mean like, how do we just keep jamming? Cause I don't think that these songs are jam songs. I just think it's like, how do we, you know, i there's so many songs of ours where it's four and a half minutes. Here's the verse, here's the chorus, here's the little break and here's the out. Um, and I think that anytime that we respond to, uh, an artist still sounding as exciting as they did when you first started listening to them, it's because that they're pushing and they're, 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 they're getting in places where they haven't done and they're, they're firing themselves up like they once did. That doesn't always necessarily mean longer songs in this case it does, but I, you know, we've had plenty of these moments where it felt foreign, it felt scary, it felt new, but it had nothing to do with making the songs longer. So this is just the, the latest amalgamation of us continuing to make sure that we're, feeling like we did when we made our first record in 2008. So that was, was it a conscious discussion that you guys had before you set out to record the record? Like, let's do it different. Let's, let's take a different approach. Let's try and make it fresh. I think so. I mean, like in some ways, you know, like any record, you have to just wait to hear what's coming out of the speakers. Like, I think we were very prepared to have to change up and it wasn't going to be what we initially thought, but I think this was, you know, this was like peak COVID when we, when I wrote these songs and then we also when, um, when we recorded and there was no, at that moment, there was really no end on the horizon to the lockdown. It was, mm -hmm. you, you heard all sorts of stuff. You heard some people say like, a, you know, a real vaccine will show up for four years. And other people said, even if it does, even if there is a vaccine, no one's ever going to want to get in crowded rooms again. And all this stuff that made it feel like is my like career just kind of going to be forever changed. And that still remains to be seen. Um, it still yeah. is very changed. But um, but it just felt like, you know what, we've 
we've always done what we've wanted on our terms. I will say that I'm very proud of that. But I also think that um, we've never fully done truly whatever the fuck we want. Who cares what anyone thinks? Like it's never been that um, uh-huh. like free. Uh, not again. I, I wouldn't say that we've ever been tied down by fans expectations or labels expectations. I feel, you know, we're not playing MSG, but I do feel like one of the lucky ones. Cause it's always really been on our terms. We've always wanted to make the music we've made, but in this case, it just felt like, you know what? Like we love jazz. We love Herbie records. We love Zappa records. We love it when there's two tracks. We love when there's five tracks. We love it when there's one track and just 40 minutes of music. Um, let's, do that, but whatever our version of that is. Um, and like, cause I have these, these songs or these beginnings of these songs that I think could sustain that kind of elaborate approach. Um, so let's go for it. Um, so that, that was kind of like the, the leading principle. It wasn't necessarily like, here's the track list. Here's the title of the album. Like I didn't know any of that stuff. Um, yeah. but I, but I knew that we were going to, um, I think in the past, it's always felt like, what can we cut out? What can be removed? And so we're getting in and out as fast as possible, as economically as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, How do I continue to trim fat? And not that I think that these songs are fatty, but I just feel like it it was the, it was the, it was the opposite approach where it was uh, the thinking was, was how do I add more? How do, how do I, how do we see if it can handle more? Like, can it handle another section? Should it have another verse? Like, Will it still be working? And in some cases, we did push it too far. Like, okay, that's too much. Um, but but uh, a lot I was of cases ask it worked. How much, I was going to ask how much editing you did do, how much pulling back. If you were taking sort of this maximum approach, was were, did, did it ever get too far? Yeah, there were times where it was like, like the, the, um, the outro of someone else's cafe, that the, my guitar solo there, that was going to go a, a lot longer. Um, and it just wasn't, it was every time we would do it, we all felt like, you know what, we're kind of hitting a ceiling and we feel like the points made, let's figure something else out. And that's when we shortened it, cut it into like brought the organ in and then it made all, all sorts of sense. Um, same with the outro of, um, everything's permanent. I initially thought like, Oh, that can be another solo at the end over these new chords, but it just felt like, okay, now we're going too far. So, so yeah, that did happen. And I feel like we had our, we were, our antennas were up for that. We were, we were trying to be conscious of like, what is, what is too much. Um, and I, I like to think we kept it entertaining, you know, like I, I, when I've played the songs for people, a lot of folks have been like, I can't believe that was nine and a half minutes. It doesn't feel like that. Um, yeah. And that's always a good response. There's a lot of movement in the songs. There's a lot of uh, like self-propulsion. I, uh, like it, it, it feels like it's a lot of the songs feel like they're moving downhill. I, I use that term that's like cool. in a really in a, in a good way. You know, I mean, that's, it's like there's, cool. a, there's an energy to it, um, and it does. It it, go, it makes the songs go by in such a in a way that doesn't make them seem long. It doesn't right. make them seem um, to, to be uh, lingering. There's yeah. you know, there's no aspect of that in it. That's cool.
when I when I first heard about this record, it was actually in October of 2020. I was interviewing Jonathan Wilson, who produced it, oh, yeah. for for the podcast. And he, I, was, I just at the end of the our interview, I was like, "What else are you working on?" He said, "The Dawes guys are coming over to record," and he referred to the record as as maybe a bit more jammy. Right, um, right. And I'm into that, you know, it was jam bass, right? That's yeah, what yeah, I said yeah. to Jonathan. We like the jam, bring the jam. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious how much improvisation played into this process. A ton. I mean, uh, just about every break you hear, like whether it's on Ghost in the Machine or everything is permanent, there was a lot of just sort of finger crossing that this was going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of nods. There was a lot of cues as to like when someone's done. Um, there was not any... It wasn't like, okay, we know that this section is exactly four bars. We didn't know. Um, and, uh, but, it, but at the same time, like, I mean, I love jamming. I do think there's aspects of that here on this album. But, but uh, you know, when he probably was talking to you, it was probably before we recorded it. And yeah, I think um, it was, yeah. And I think, I think it's jammy in the same way that I think, or and not jammy, in the same way that I think, like, uh, shine on you crazy diamond is and is not jamming you know like yeah. there's there's a lot of instrumental s- stuff but it's and it's and it does not doesn't feel composed but it also doesn't feel like they are just off in outer space making um, it up on the spot yeah yeah i mean yeah. i want to do that with these songs yeah. um but uh but we didn't but that it was not really that but that wasn't what was happening necessarily while recording it um but yeah i think like i, I think that that's like we it's weird. Like jam band is like, I, I like thinking of us as a jam band, but I also am aware that when you say that it creates certain connotations that I would, that I would say, yeah, but not that, um, yeah. um, which are not bad things, but like, you know, you hear someone say jam band. One thing I assume is like, Oh, they do a lot of covers. And it's like, no, no, we're not going to do that. It's very much a singer songwriter thing. Mm-hmm. So like, it's, it's when I say that I consider us that there's a lot of caveats and I'm sure every jam band would I, I i you'd probably know better than me like are there a lot of jam bands that would call themselves that like maybe none i don't know it's interesting we've had an, a conversation in the with some of my colleagues recently about how we wish that jam band wasn't such a derisive word that it didn't yeah. have such a negative connotation that it, it would be more embraced by bands and i think that you hear improvisational rock and and different yeah. sort of euphemisms for it so that you're not sort of lumped into that noodling 20 minute meandering yeah. solo and, and and not making original songs and not having good songs. Um, I think what we would refer to you guys is like jam adjacent. That's the, right. that's the term that's cool. that we throw around a lot. Like <laughs> it, that's like for bands like that do kind of have a more focus on songwriting and maybe do have shorter songs in their repertoire. Right. Maybe yeah, have I mean, more of a focus on albums, you know, make stronger studio work, that kind of right, thing too. Right. That's cool. I mean, yeah, I think that that's probably where like when I, you know, when I first heard, um, the alchemy for anyone that doesn't know that album, they should go get it. Like if they can, it's not on streaming anymore, but the, the dire straits live record alchemy mm-hmm. and, and they do, they open with um, once upon a time in the West and it's like 14 minutes. And when I heard that, I was like, that feels, I relate to this. Like, I feel yeah. like I see myself here where um, I would never call them a jam band, but they, they just fucking ripped it. So yeah. like, so uh, that's, that, that's definitely where we, where we've always like felt, like represented us. I mean, not that (laughs) I don't, I I guess part of it also, and I I wonder if you could, I'm sure you experience this a lot is that no band really likes to like all of a sudden be conveniently placed into a 
yeah. uh, a, a, a genre like you know like kurt resented grunge Uh, Mm -hmm. like, like Isabel doesn't seem to like totally want to be called an Americana artist. Like, it it seems like everyone's a little uneasy with feeling like, oh, I fit a mold because that's Mm -hmm. sort of, no one wants to, everyone wants to be, um, you can't put your finger on me. You can only go to me for one thing. And it's, and it's singular. And then therefore there's, there's no real term for it. Um, I, I think what's interesting about Jonathan telling me though, that you you hadn't started the record yet, but it was going to be jammy. Is that it? It, it seems like you had talked to him about it. That there, oh, yeah. there had been pre planning. So, uh, what were those kind of conversations like? What what do you and Jonathan talk about when you're planning a record? That was a blast because he um, he was so uh, he was so involved in a way that we hadn't done before with with him. We made a lot of records with him, but he right. came over to my house and we were like sitting in the backyard and like we'd go over um, we'd go over these songs and. And he would like help beef it up. Like, well, what if here we kind of let it just really fall apart? Like, like that bit in everything is permanent where um, it really just changes tempo and does this major minor thing with different mm-hmm. lengths of the bars. Um, that was like, it wasn't his idea. Like, I guess I came up with it, but, but he, it was his inspiration. It was his guidance. Uh-huh. Was, like this song can really, like we could really go, get into a lower gear and just like l- let something crazy happen here. Um, and so a lot of that was like, yeah, like his, his guidance for sure. Um, and just knowing when we had enough, like when we were recording or not, when we were doing the demos, I had every song that you hear on the record, except for someone else's cafe. Um, and he was, he called me and he's like, if, if you really want to be this like mission statement, if you really want to be like, like, uh, have this, this, um, clear not jam not prog not whatever but if you really want to have this like album that you're describing you need one more like really like a, a ambitious one mm-hmm. and um okay I'll, I'll try i think like because at that point i was like well between ghost and the machine everything is permanent sound that no one made we're gonna go pretty far out but but i hear you i'll, I'll try um and then i wrote uh uh someone else's cafe with the big middle riff and now that feels more than anything else kind of like the the calling card for what this album is. It's definitely an introduction and sets a tone for what yeah. follows. Like every time, like I, I didn't know what was going to be the opener. I was like, I kept thinking maybe someone uh, sound that no one made might be. And, um, but every time we would have, like, we would be, be back at a studio and a friend would come over and like, what are you working on? The thing that we would play was someone else's cafe. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, if this is what we keep playing first. That, that <laughs> might make it a good first song. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out. Yeah. It works out. Yeah. <laughs> I want to ask you, since we're talking about that song, the the guitar riff that you play on it, I, I got to be honest, when I first heard it, I thought it was a keyboard. And it wasn't until oh, cool. I saw the video that I was like, oh shit, he's doing that on a, on a guitar. And I'm not a guitarist, but I'm curious, like, is there a particular effect that you did for that? Or like a, a, a certain technique that you did? It, it's just super catchy and cool. And I love Wait, it. Are you talking about the, the main riff or the, or the yeah, breakdown? Yeah, the main riff. riff. The main one that like... Oh, sweet. Just but, uh, sets the... T- yeah, but, uh, yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. That, that was like, kind I of... Pi- I pictured like Lee like doing that like on yeah, keys, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Um, It was kind of like me trying to cop like a... Almost like a pedal steel part. Um, okay. Like with, with the way that they were like the pull-offs of it, where it was happening on the upbeat, I, I was like all the way those country riffs can be, um, mm-hmm. but in, but in my own language, I guess. And the funny thing about that riff is I've been playing that riff just kind of on guitars 
um, for like years and years and years. Like I've had, I feel like I've been playing that riff for like five years and I just never could figure out what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then when I had this lyric idea for someone else's cafe and I was just trying to like figure out what, what to build that on, I, that riff came back. I'm like, oh, actually I could, I could finally write a song to that riff that I've had throughout the last several albums and never did anything with. So, um, so yeah, it's been hanging out for a little while and it was, and it doesn't, it's not a country song, but I think it's more, it's, 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 it's inspired by like yeah, it's got, country, country guitar playing. It's got a little twang to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can poison opposition. Out which war to declare You can polish up the prisons And send all your critics there You seem willing and able And used to getting your way But you're still waiting tables In someone else's cafe Is that typical of your songwriting? Do you do you pair lyrics with with music that you've already done like that? Do you have lyrics sitting around, or or do you tend to like start with a melody first? Um, I will, like, I, it's happened different ways. Obviously, I'm sure it's the case with any songwriter. But but I'll definitely like I'll have a, a lyrical idea. I won't start writing it, but I'll know like how how the lyric is going to work and how it's going to re- relate to the chorus, how we get to the title, whatever. And then I will. Um, uh, kind of see what riffs I have out there to, to, to then like pair it up. And then that's when I kind of start writing. So I'll know what it's going to be about or what it's going to be called or something. And, but I don't, until I kind of have the marriage of the, the right riff for it, then I could start doing the melody. And, and I'm, I've always been a, I'm not a lyrics first guy, but I'm definitely the melody is at the service of the lyric. Like, you know, you hear some songs where the lyric is very clear, very like set in stone. And sometimes it's this beautiful soaring long note thing, but there's only like five syllables. So the lyric ends up being like paranoid Android or something, which, and I love those lyrics, but, um, but it's, it's a, it's a lot more like fragmented and impressionistic. Right. And then you hear born to run and it's one note. There's not real, a lot of movement in the melody, but the words are burning because it's just, and it's, yeah, yeah. it's like, you can say some shit. Um, uh-huh. so I've always been like, like uh, whatever I want the lyric to be, I'll make the melody work, um, accordingly. Um, again, that's not like I'm coming to a song with just a page full of words, but uh-huh. if I, but whatever I want the lyric to be, I'll just find a way to sing it. Does that require a lot of editing of the lyrics then too? Sometimes. I mean, I sing like, I think I, I mean, I have a lot of syllables. I have a lot of words sometimes and I'll, um, it's funny how I'll do co-writes with people and I'll be like, what if you do this? And I'll sing this like <laughs> lot of words in a line and they'll be like, that sounds cool. when you do it. I don't know if it sounds cool when I do it. And I'm like, oh, okay. Sorry. Um, so like I, I sometimes probably could parse more than I do. Um, sometimes I'll add the ands or the so's or just extra, extra syllables without even really thinking about it. 
Um, but then, yeah, if I go over it once and say, what can I strip? It's not much, but it's enough to make it sing better. But are there very many, like, do you, are there iterations, I guess, of, of your different songs and the lyrics? Or is it just that kind of minor tweaking that you're doing? Um, you no, know, it can be pretty major sometimes. Yeah, like, I'll, yeah. I'll, and it's one of those things, like, if you told me, if you kept pushing our start date back a week, you know, I would continue mm-hmm. to edit. Like yeah. it's never, it's never really done. I feel like I could easily go, I, I, I do sometimes like listen back and think, Oh, that could have been better. And I'll change it. Um, and I'll just sing it live differently. Um, so it's really like, I'm going to keep t- minor tweaks going until I, it's on a microphone. Um, and then it's, then that's the record. So it's, it's, yeah, it's never done. When you demo, how far did you take these songs particularly? These songs, it's, normally when I demo, it's like an iPhone demo, acoustic guitar and guys can kind of get how it's supposed to feel, or they can change Mm -hmm. the feel if they want. I try to leave it up to them. Um, and that's as much as I do, um, with this, because it was COVID and everyone was scrambling for shit to do. I got the the bare essentials of recording gear. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then from that, uh, started, you know, knowing how to do very, very poor job of just like multi-tracking and I knew these songs were going to have like several sections. So like a song, like someone else's cafe, the demos hilarious. Cause it's basically what you hear, but it's just guitars and, and a bass and no drums and no pianos. Um, but it still goes through all those crazy sections and there's still oh, all wow. these solos and all these harmonies. Um, so it's really goofy sounding, but it was just sort of to help the guys like get a sense of like what the shape is, but they're not, they're not charming or anything. That's for sure. <laughs> and, and did you give that stuff to them like individually or was that presented as like a whole once you got in the, in the studio and we're actually cutting? Um, I would, I would send them demos, but we yeah. never had a chance to rehearse. Um, I got together with our bass player a few times so we could play through it a few times, but I never got to play through it with Griffin, our drummer or Lee, our keyboard player until we were recording it. Um, so there was a lot of faith going into this, the studio yeah. with this. Um, Cause it's also like, you know, when you go into the studio that you're always expecting a song or two not to work but this was like six songs, um, like it's seven tracks, but it's six songs. <laughs> yeah. And so like one song doesn't work. We're so, you're sort of like, well, we don't have an album now. Um, uh-huh. so it just kind of had to work. Um, there, there, we had, we had one other song that's like really gloomy piano ballad. That's eight minutes. That is like too sad and too long and too slow and too quiet. Um, I'm sure we'll put it out in some shape, but, mm-hmm. but we kind of knew going in, this isn't going to make the record. So we really leaned on those, those tunes. And you have, you mentioned before you've worked with Jonathan Wilson, but you yeah. hadn't for a couple of records. Was, was there a, was the idea of making this type of record part of the reason why you wanted to work with Jonathan again? Absolutely. That was a big consideration. I mean, his records, he knows how to do this in such yeah. an inspiring I mean, way. His um, records sound a lot like this record at times. Yeah. 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 And, and um, not only does he make this kind of music where it'll go for, eight to 10 minutes and you wouldn't think twice mm-hmm. um, and make, and he keeps it, he keeps it growing. He keeps it evolving. He keeps adding textures to make it worth your time um, so that you're not on a fifth verse and thinking like, wait, what, like what? nothing's changed. Um, um, but also on top of all that, all those you know, that he has that he's already ex- ex- uh, showcased in his own records, he was also getting off tour for a, a two year run uh, with Roger Waters. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, if anybody knows like how to like 
compose recordings that can last 15 minutes. It's, it's that guy. So like, you know, if you're, if you're finishing a tour where you've played shine on your crazy diamond every night, like, I just feel like that's going to be helpful to to what we were trying to do. I don't Uh think our music sounds like Pink Floyd, but um, I just think that spirit is like, was, is, is there of, of uh, how do you take, how do you take these songs and, and make them work for a long time by, by subtle adjustments. And he's got a pretty amazing recording facility. And, oh my uh, God. And it's yeah. just loaded with all types of incredible gear as far as I know, it's right? It's the best stuff. I mean, now he's got like, you know, guys like Rick Rubin are sending projects that he's working on to Jonathan's studio to get certain tracks. Like, and the, you know, like things that you wouldn't know about, like the new Big Thief that is so good, that new double album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jonathan didn't make it, but it was recorded there. Um, they were actually recording it when I talked to Jonathan and our oh, Wi-Fi cool. kept dropping off. He was blaming them for taking up all the <laughs> Wi-Fi at the time. That's but, funny. Um, so you must feel pretty comfortable there though, right? Totally. I think Jonathan is, um, I mean, he's such a dear friend. Like he just, he just got married a few weeks ago. You know, we, oh, really? we were in a band. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. So Very like, cool. Yeah. It was really cool. Like, you know, we did, uh, did like, yeah, just like his friends who were amazing musicians all came up and sang songs to him and he sang, and it was just such an honor to be asked and brought in on that level. But yeah, I think I consider him a deep, deep friend and I consider him, um, I said this on the mic at his wedding actually, but I think he's, I don't know if I'd be a professional musician without him because when we recorded our first record, uh, North Hills, we liked what we liked, but it was all very like obvious stuff. Like we were very immersed in the band and Creedence Clearwater and, and, um, and he was sort of like, he kind of, he was at this helm. We didn't know anything about recording. He made us sound a certain way. And Mm -hmm. as much as I think that we were responsible for our DNA, I think he's equally responsible for that DNA. And I think that that propelled us forward of like, okay, this is what Dawes is now. And then he made our second record, which was another big contributing factor to what that like foundational sound was. So, and, and it just like, he made it sound really cool. We'd gone to record that stuff. So I was like Western skyline or whatever, like at some normal studio where it's all pro tools and it's all squeaky clean. Yeah. It would have been cool. I mean, I, I'm sure I would have believed in it, but, it, but uh, I, I wonder if, yeah, I just don't know if, if, if it would have connected. I think such a big, not that it's a big record, but if anybody does know it, does like it, I think a lot of it is on account of its sort of recorded aesthetic. It's it's mm-hmm. a scrappy all to tape album, and 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 that's all him. Are you much of a gearhead? Like, do you get to the studio and start getting into it with him, or is that something you kind of let leave to the master there? I w- I wish I could say I was more of one. I kind of leave uh-huh. it to him. I'm I, I, I'm really eager for that chapter. Uh, for me, I want to I want to get to a place where we can shell out records constantly because we're making them ourselves. Um, yeah. I, not that I just want to stop working with Wilson, but you know what I mean. Like, sure, sure, look, sure. Look at some of these artists that are just they're on their own schedules. Like King King Gizzard, four albums a year, like <laughs> over and over again. Yeah. And um, you know, just whether or not we would ever do that, I just would love for that to be on the table. And with us, it's just not because. Um, none of us know how to record or I, I should say, I don't know how to record. And the other guys like, you know, we just, we just, we haven't created that facility yet, but I think it's on the horizon. When, when you were, were recording the album was Jonathan part, how, what was his like involvement in the actual recording? Were you guys tracking live and was he there in the room yeah. with you? Uh, we, he played a second drum kit on um, ghost in the machine. 
Um, okay, right. Yeah. So, so at the end, when there's these drum breaks, him and Griffin are switching off. So that was pretty cool to feature him in that way. He didn't play any guitar or anything else. Um, he's kind of like, you know, there are those kinds of, I hope you wouldn't mind me saying this, but there are those kinds of producers that want to get into the song. Um, mm-hmm. Working with Dave Rawlings was like this, where we, I went out uh, weeks early. Uh, we made our fourth record with Dave. And like, I went mm-hmm. out weeks early just for him to, just go over every line, like on a very fundamental level, like acoustic guitars and like, try it without this pre-chorus, try it without that second verse, but like all these different songwritery things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved it. And um, Wilson doesn't do that. And I love that too. Wilson is like, your song is how you want it to be. I'm going to make it sound fucking awesome. And um, <laughs> so with, with Wilson, it was more like stresses on like, let's spend a lot of time on that snare drum sound or let's, let's, let's really like, like cook up a unique guitar sound. Um, and, and that was a blast. But when it came to like getting into the songs, he doesn't do that um, in the same way other producers are. And, and I think it's a philosophical choice of his. Like it's, he even said to me, like, it's, if, if you believe in your song, then like, then that's, then that's what it shall be. And, and I'm not, I'm, that's not my, that's not my back. Right. When did you come up with the title? Um, we came up with the title for someone else's cafe. Doom Scroller tries to relax first. Okay. And and then um, and then my brother's wife um was like, "What if you like bring that like the Doom Scroller term in, into the actual album title? Like, that's a really good idea because it kind of it adds a dimension to all the songs mm-hmm. that I like." Um. I didn't want it to just be doom scroller because I thought that then it sounded a little too a li- like maybe a little too serious. Right. Um, and so then when we got to misadventures, I thought like, I think this is g- goofy enough, but also like grounded enough. It just was that perfect, um, that, that middle line where, uh, you know, you could, it could, it might make you laugh, but it also might make you lean in it felt zany enough to like at least get attention, you know, that yeah. someone puts in their like Instagram caption, new Dawes album, Miss misadventures of doom scroller. Like that's way more like the fuck than, than yeah. just like, you know, sunset or something. I think it's interesting. It, 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 I think it naturally ties it all together. Like it gives it a cohesiveness just in the title. Cause it's the, you know, the, it, the songs together become the misadventures. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's exactly. also very like, timely like we're all doom scrolling like yeah, it's, it, yeah. It, it gives it it brings it into the presence where it's almost like you're taking you know the 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 albums that you cited or the artists that you cited as influences herbie hancock and frank zappa and dire straits like those aren't necessarily contemporary artists yeah um, but by doing that it helps just sort of give it this contemporary feel while you're still taking sort of a less contemporary approach right i appreciate that and yeah we definitely wanted to look at each song as the misadventures I also like the idea of with the artwork to create it so that the uh, the doom scroller is sort of this the devil on your shoulder that is like whispering mm-hmm. in your ear um and he has his own identity um and he's his own you know trickster or whatever um and yeah you're right it's like i i'm i'm referring to these albums um that are big influences of ours um and but it i also like I, not that we're obviously following any trend or else we wouldn't have made this album. Um, <laughs> but I do, I am excited for um, musicianship and that's a, that's a really kind of old fart thing to say, but um, I feel like for so long with bands that I truly love, 
bands like pavement or bands like um, uh, Nirvana or even like U2 in their way where like, it was more of like, or REM, I love REM, like bands where we're going to, through our limitations, we're going to create a, uh, a truly unique sound and a truly mm-hmm. unique DNA, but it's not going to be based on um, any kind of prowess. Not that those guys don't have prowess, but it's of a different kind. Right. Um, Peter Buck would be the first guy to say that he's not that kind of guitar player. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like that, the, there became this sort of obsession with restraint and how can you get the song done with like, with not putting yourself out on the edge. Um, and I love that music. A lot of my heroes, contemporary heroes embody that, um, mm-hmm. where it's, it's more about what they don't do. And, and I, and I just feel like for a long time we were trying to, or we did follow that line of thinking. Mm-hmm. And with this album, it was like, I actually think that we just want to play. And, and I don't, and I think it's going to just be okay. Uh, I think that the idea of playing these extended solos on our first or second record, um, for some reason, I'm not saying, again, we're not following like fans guidance by any, by any means, but it just would have felt really inappropriate. And right yeah. now it just doesn't. I think there's this, um, there's this acceptance of people like, okay, you want to step out? Like you, you have space for it. And I think that for a long time, that was really kind of people would wince at it. Like, wait, what? He's playing guitar solo. Yeah. Um, like it was a really, it was a problem and we did anyway, but I, it was never cool or contemporary. And I, and I feel like with all these new bands that are so cool, um, it just seems like we're getting to this place where that's actually going to be celebrated again. Um, yeah. There's, there seems to be more room for it now. Yeah, like I, I watched Goose just take over and that yeah. guy's a ripper and that's why they're yeah. taking over because he's so good and it's so cool to see it happen that way. Yeah, it was cool you sitting in with them. That was, uh, yeah, that that was, was fun really to see. Cool. Yeah, they're cool. Long we've wandered the groves Turning stones Open light They find Still, the drunk on vines found outside. We've been some of these songs on the album live right mm-hmm. uh how, how are they meshing in the live setting with your other songs they've um i mean comes in waves it's so fun to play it's because it seems like a real fan favorite people cheer when we start it so that but it also feels like it could have been on passwords or or good luck with uh-huh. whatever or or we're all going to die um so it kind of already kind of fits into a set that's pretty pretty seamlessly mm-hmm. um Someone else's cafe was eye-opening because it's become like a show highlight and it wasn't even out. Um, 
when we first started playing it. Like we yeah. were playing it in like short hour long sets where we could only do like eight songs and we would just do that as one of them. And it's 10 minutes. So yeah. like we, we would, well, I didn't know what to expect from our fans and it's, it's already so quickly become one of the m- most fun parts of the show. Um, so I think like our fans have been, they really embraced um, this stuff. And I think also not for nothing, it's like, it is kind of geared for a stage. Um, yeah. Like you get into that middle section of someone else's cafe, even if you've never heard it, it's definitely going to make a crowd do something. Um, So like I, I'm, I was relieved. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know people were just going to be staring at us. Like, why is the song still going? (laughs) But, but but it's been um, like people cheer for it now, like before you even gotten into it. And, and, um, and so it's, it's, it means a lot to us. I mean, everybody has got to feel good. Yeah, totally. And like, you know, we have our, we have our core fans, fans that we're, we see pop up on common boards or just, you know, in the ether. And, um, and I feel like every time we've ever made a record, there's, there's the inevitable dissenters, you know, where it's like, oh, this sucks. And I, I miss this or I, like, yeah. or, or whatever. Um, and that's cool. And I anticipate it and I welcome it. It's part of the game. It's a good part of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but weirdly, that's just not happening right now. Like I, I like, like everyone has been like, this is my favorite thing you guys have done uh, from based on what they've heard. And, um, and that means the world to us. Cause I thought, you know, if there's ever going to be a record that just is like a little too much for a certain kind of fan, this might be it. And it doesn't seem to be happening that way. That's cool. Yeah. So that, that's really cool. That, that that's again, got to make you feel good about trying something new, taking a fresh yeah. approach, yeah, not, and I th- taking a risk. Yeah. And I, I, I hope that even for the folks that are like, fuck this, I hate this, like they can at least respect that this is happening for the right reasons. This is happening because like, we're not listening to anyone saying, here's what you do. If you want to go ahead like Coachella, you know, not that we would ever have a chance at that, but these songs clearly aren't playing that kind of game. And that's always more disappointing. You know, when you hear artists that are just revealing any level of desperation, this is more just, this is who right. we want to be right now. And if you don't like it, that's okay. But at least, you know, we're being true to ourselves. And doing it on your own terms. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I'll let you get going. I want to cup, ask you a couple of other things. Please, though, yeah, you yeah. Know, you're, you're in, you're, you're doing some other projects. You've got the, the tour with Bahamas coming up. Yeah. yeah that fun. seems pretty cool. I'm, I'm interested. Like, how did that come about? That came about really through my brother, my brother. Um, oh, okay. Uh, he's always been a big fan. He turned me on to him. I, then since then I was a fan. And then Afi, who, who is Bahamas, yes. um, during COVID started having different bands play remotely for like his COVID yeah, sessions yeah. or whatever. Those were and really had, cool. Yeah. And one of them was, was Griffin and Wiley, um, right. from Dogs. And, um, so that was like their first meeting and Griffin, I think floated to our manager. Like, wouldn't it be cool if we did a run like this? Like if he doesn't have a band that I know he does have a core band that are fucking awesome and i know he'll, mm-hmm. he's gonna continue playing with them but um but if if he's up for a sh- short run where he's playing with different people like maybe he could be in our band we could be in his band and we could just do a night like that um and he agreed to it and then the funny thing was we kind of confirmed it all and mm-hmm. we're on the verge of announcing it but we never i'd never met him um <laughs> and so so he uh he came to L- he was up in napa for a show and he came down to la uh for two days just to like at least in my mind, just for us all to confirm that this was working. Yeah. Uh, he, he learned five of our tunes. We learned five of his and, um, and the rehearsal was a blast and he's a joy to be around. And, and yeah, we really want to like, 
we, we, I, I don't know what it's going to be. The cool thing, like it's a lot of cool cities that we don't get to visit as often as we'd like, like Bloomington and Memphis. And so yeah. it'll be really cool to like explore this on stages like that. And then also just, um, yeah, just like figuring out ways to weave in and out of each other's tunes and maybe even switch verses and just like, really like let this let let neither of our bands sound anything like they normally do thanks to each other so i'm excited about that i was gonna ask if you were gonna sing each other's songs yeah i hope a little bit we talked about it we haven't we haven't really mapped it out but yeah that's cool i mean i'm excited for that tour i'm excited to see what comes about um you also recently have been playing shows with your wife mandy moore that's that has to be a pretty cool experience for you too right truly i mean it was really fun It, it was a an intense tour. I hope she wouldn't mind me saying it just because um it basically like she's she's six months pregnant. No, we're gonna have another kid in our tour. Congratulations. Um, and thank you. We're excited. And we have a year and a half uh, old. Um and he's so you're getting the best. into it, man. It's yeah, it, yeah. wait, wait, I've yeah. got I've got a seven and a six year old. So you oh, okay. I, I, I've I've been there before. Yeah. I'm a little bit ahead of you. Yeah. So we're anticipating a very extreme next few years. Um, sure. But then I'm sure, but once we're like where you're at, I'm sure we're going to be like, I'm so glad we did that. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so like we did this tour when he was there and I was so cool having him. Um, but uh, it was probably not the best. I think we went in our, our sort of, our eyes were bigger than our stomachs in a way where like, I think she thought like, Oh, it'll be like a vacation. I'll be with my family and I'll play for 90 minutes a night. She didn't anticipate not sleeping and she didn't anticipate, you know, like the, the rigors of the touring life, like, you know, us waking up and grabbing 50 bags and hustling to a day room to get our kids settled. Um, so she was run ragged and it was kind of against, as you can imagine, all the advice of like doctors when you're six months pregnant. Um, so like it wasn't, it, the shows were a fucking blast. She's amazing. The fans were so cool because they were, it was def- different from what I've, you know, Dawes shows, it's going to be a different set list. I might forget to talk to people for a little while and then uh, hopefully that's okay. With, mm-hmm. with Mandy shows, they were very, there was this very beautiful curated like story. Like they, Presentation, they just, yeah. Yeah. The story of her career where we're dipping into stuff from 20 years ago, stuff from movies, stuff from her TV show. So it was a very different evening with kind of thing. Um, uh, and so like that, that part of it was great, but it was just, it was so hard that, uh, on her body that, uh, we like it, be, the smartest thing became not doing the second leg. We should be out with her right now on the second leg. We should be in Texas right now. So we, we're not doing the second leg at least right now. Um, mm-hmm. and then we'll hopefully get to it later on, but I'm super psyched on the two records that we've all made together for her. And, and I'm sure there's going to be more. They're beautiful records. And I, I saw her post that she said when she was canceling the shows that it, it had been an emotional experience for her. And I'm sure it yeah. has been, she has, she hasn't been out touring for a while. I mean, it's been several years and yeah. I wonder how emotional was it for you to be standing beside her and experiencing that with her? Um, that was really profound because, you know, she ha- she's a very successful person, but I see yeah. the, I see that mostly in like, her work as like a TV personality. And, and so you don't see a TV star. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Let's be honest. So, so, so so you don't see the reaction to it. So being in, in some of these rooms, there were, yeah, yeah. There were some nights like looking out at these fans, there was this one night, I forget where it was, but some young girl looking up at her just mind blown. And it was Mm -hmm. like, Oh, and my, you know, like I'm very much in love with my wife and she's standing there looking so beautiful. And I'm like, you are, 
you mean so much to this little girl in this front row. And I was getting overwhelmed by thinking about that. Like, obviously the show means a lot to us, but she's, you know, this girl is seeing a hero of hers. I don't know. I was projecting, but it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, that, that kind of stuff would really kind of throw me for a loop. And then also just to see, um, one really cool thing about her audience was, you know, like Mike Viola's on the tour with us. He produced these last two albums, mm-hmm. um, and the one before it actually, but, but, uh, so we were, we're very eager to play most of this new material. And, you know, you go see a lot of artists that had their quote unquote heyday at a different time. And they kind of have to be heavy on that. Maybe added one or two new songs. Uh-huh. We did kind of the opposite. We played most of the new album, most of the album before last. And we dipped back into the past like two or three times. And the audience was there for it. They were, they That's were, cool. they, they totally knew all the new songs. They totally were on her page. Like whatever she wanted to do, they wanted to do. So that part of it was really cool. Like she has a fan base that subscribed to her, not to a song mm-hmm. or not to an era. Um, and that was really cool to see. Well, and the new records have brought her up to speed, you know, like it's mm-hmm. like there, there is that stuff from the past, but the new stuff is so present and, and so inviting that I, I can see where it's, it's, it, it, you know, she doesn't have to always rely on the, on the right. older things. Well, I, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm excited for her and I'm excited to keep doing it. It's fun to have a different outfit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's fun for you to have that sort of extra creative outlet. Yeah, totally. It's really cool. Well, congratulations on, on the upcoming baby and I hope everything Thanks, go, goes well there. I got to ask you, you just uh, a couple days ago got to play with Phil Lesh and Phil Lesh and friends. Uh, That was a pretty cool lineup. Um, You you guys have gotten to do that a few times now. I think that was uh, like your third time, maybe. Yeah. What's your relationship like with Phil Lesh? How did that get to get to go down? Um, I think it happened again. Man, it sounds like he's responsible for all the good things in my life. But I think it came through my brother. Um, He started playing up... uh, He's an all right dude. Yeah, he's, yeah he <laughs> he's, he's pretty busy himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he's killing it. Um, he was up playing with Jason Crosby and like the Phil crew up in the Bay Area for a while mm-hmm. at Terrapin. And then there was talks of like, oh, Phil and Graham might be curious about you guys. And and then they invited us to come play his his birthday shows, his 80th shows uh, at the Capitol um, mm-hmm. right before COVID went down. So oh, we right, did a couple right. we did a couple rehearsals in February of 2020 that went great. And then by the time March, those shows didn't happen. But uh, so we is all that like when you and, showed up at the Terrapin Crossroads? Sorry to interrupt, but that's when you showed up at the Terrapin Crossroads bar. That yeah. was like, in, so that's what you were there. You were rehearsing for those shows. Yeah, we were rehearsing. Gotcha. Let's go. Okay. Let's go play in the other room. Yeah. Um, and then the other, and then the March shows got canceled, and then we finally got it back up and running um, in October of 2021. Or was, yeah, I think it was October. I forget. No, not it was October. October twenty one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
Uh, but yeah, we were able to make some happen a couple times. We did Nashville with him and then we did capital with him. And it was cool because that in those cases, it was three nights instead of one. Um, so we got, we, you know, at this point we know like 60 songs. Um, yeah. and obviously like the dead is our big deal to us and our big deal to me. Um, and being able to share the stage with him, that never, it's never lost on me how fucking cool it is that I'm playing Grateful Dead songs standing next to Phil Wesh. That doesn't, that doesn't. It's got to sound pretty cool to hear his bass yeah. going through your monitor, right? Yeah. While I'm singing Jack Straw, it's <laughs> fucked yeah. up. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not like he's sitting in on one of my songs. Like it's way yeah. cooler that we're sitting on him with him. But um, yeah. And, and he's a, he's so cool. Like, you know, he's, he's older and he keeps to himself and he's, he's like, he's very COVID conscious. So he's, he'd be staying safe, but he always checks in with us. He's always like, He's always, you know, he introduces us. He's very aware of all of us. Like, mm-hmm. it's not just like, oh, his team put this together and he just plays with whoever. Like, he's, it's very, not, he's aware of, of, of when we're around and, it, and uh-huh. it's, it's important for him to connect with us. Um, and we, yeah, we hope to keep doing it. I mean, I feel like I've learned so much from being on stage with him. Um, it's, he has a, his commitment to being, you know, like, going off the edge and just trusting the people that you're on stage with to carry you is like, he's the king of it. Um, like I, 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 like I, you know, I think that that band is so miraculous because you know, you could, you could say the reason why blank is the key to the grateful dead. And you could say that about any of those guys. Um, they all are, are such massive contributors to why it is what it is. But, uh, but Phil deserves that sentence too. And, and I think that he, he's the one that kind of keeps everyone on their toes and you never quite know where you are. And if it, and if something gets too comfortable, he'll make sure to start pushing you and you have to react to it. So it's, it's been, um, it's, we've learned so much and, and, and it's been one of the true honors of being a band to, to be brought into that world. I bet. I got to ask how, whose idea was it to do Saturday in the park? That. Um, it was either Phil's or his wife's Jill's very cool. Uh, That's my impression. Uh Um, but we've, I, I, initially I was like, man, is this going to work? Cause like, (laughs) we're going to be doing all this. We're going to have just finished uncle John's band and it's going to be cool. And like, and then like when we did Saturday in the park and sound checker, like, Oh, this is actually pretty rad. He's, he's making it sound like it's part of the set and it sounds awesome. I thought it turned out really cool. The horn sounded great. Yeah. Yeah. It really was cool. it seemed like a pretty fun set for you guys. Yeah, it was it was super fun. A lot of songs we never done. Never done Golden Road. Never done Alabama Getaway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Never done Dance in the Street. So it was really fun. Very cool. Very cool. Well, yeah. Taylor, thanks for your time today, man. Uh, Thank I really you, appreciate man. it. This is fun. Um, uh, everybody should check out Misadventures of Doom Scroller. Comes out July twenty second. The new Dawes album. It's fantastic, man. I really enjoyed it. Um, stay safe out there. Uh, appreciate it. En- enjoy the tour with Bahamas and Head <laughs> and Heart. And you guys are going to Fuji Rock. You guys yeah. are going to be busy. You're getting busy yes. here. Good luck with the baby. Everything, man. You got a lot going Thanks, on. Man. Appreciate. Take it. care. All right. All right. Peace. <laughs>
brings us to the end of this jam-based podcast episode. Thanks to Taylor Goldsmith for taking some time to chat with me. Get Dawes' new album, Misadventures of Doom Scroller, wherever you find good music. Thanks to Jake Alexander for helping produce this episode. And last but certainly not least, thanks to all of you out there for listening. Our apologies for missing last week's episode. We had an unexpected technical difficulty come up and ended up having to take the week off. We do plan to be back next week with another insightful interview. So in the meantime, stay safe out there. Go see live music.